Hey, we want to welcome all of you online. Thank you for joining us and all of you who are in the house right now. Welcome. Let's hear it one more time. Thank you, band. Man, what a great morning of time of worship. We have an incredible band. We really do. And um, there's just something special about their heart and the way they bring us into worship. So yeah, thank you guys for that. We had a great time. Like Donnie mentioned, we had a great time with the ladies yesterday in here for the women's breakfast. I snuck in as part of the tech team, so I got to see it, but it was crazy good. It was, it was amazing. So I just want to say this to the men. You need to take it up a notch next time, guys. Uh, men's breakfast was great two weeks ago, and then I saw the women's breakfast. I'm like, guys, we got to step it up. We got to step it up. And all of our guys cooked for the ladies, so let's, ladies, thank the guys for doing that. Yeah. And if you missed that, sorry, uh, catch the next one. You, you will not regret being a part of that and uh, doing that with us. Well, when it came to uh, this winter, I had two personal goals. Just on a personal level, as a photographer, as a person who does videos and does those devotionals on social media, I really wanted to get to Yosemite in the wintertime, and I really wanted to get to Zion in the wintertime. And uh, all said and done, I got to hit both. And the last one was about a week ago. I was in Zion right after another big snow. In fact, uh, one of the days I was there, it snowed the whole day, just kind of on and off. And uh, I will say this, as much fun as I had, I was thoroughly exhausted. So what happened was Monday morning, I got up at 3.30 in the mornings because I wanted to get there before noon. And there is an hour difference because somehow, even though we voted to not have daylight savings time removed like 20 years ago, we still have it. And now, anyway, so um, this was on one of those hikes on the day, one of my full days there. So I was there part of Monday, all day Tuesday, part of Wednesday, and I headed back. And on that Tuesday, I hiked over seven miles in the snow, hiked over a thousand feet elevation climb, not even realizing because I was just so mesmerized by the views and everywhere I went, it was just beautiful. And I had such a good time. I didn't realize how tired I was until I sat down. And I went to the lodge um, after one of those hikes and I just sat there. I think I just went the wrong way. Yeah, I did. Okay. Um, I went to the, the lodge and just kind of sat there for a while. and. While I'm sitting there, I, that's when I realized how tired I was. In fact, the, the night of Tuesday, so that was my full day. That was when I did most of my hiking and, and all of that. I slept 10 hours. <laughs> I was tired. And I didn't, like I said, I didn't realize how tired I was until I just stopped moving. Have you ever felt like that? Just like exhausted? And I don't mean from, from a hike or or from a bike ride, or, or from even running a marathon. I mean, from just trying to be a good Christian. Do you ever feel like exhausted? Like, I don't know if I can do this. I mean, I look around, it seems like everybody else has it together, but that's just because they know how to put on a good family, church face, and everything's good when they get here, but I don't know if I can do this. I had a friend of mine years ago who uh, found community, and he shared with me a story. He said he grew up in a church, that was very, very strict, very legalistic, and in fact, the message was very clear every single week. The message was, try harder, or you're going to hell. That was the message, week after week after week. And he said he, he reached a kind of a young adulthood, and it, it, it hit him like he could never be good enough. 
No matter how hard he tried, he was exhausted from trying. And so he said to himself, I guess someday I'll just go to hell. And he gave up on church. Fast forward several years. They moved into the Hemet area. Tragedy struck their family. And through a number of connections, they wound up trying community. And when he came, he said he found something he never actually understood. May have heard about it, but it was never really taught at that church he was growing up. And it was the concept of grace. And he realized he didn't have to be good enough. Jesus was good enough. And the reason he was able to be saved wasn't because he tried harder, but because Jesus did what he did on the cross, and then he walked out of an empty tomb. And that grace applied to his life, both good and bad, the days he got it right and all the days he didn't. He, he could be a follower of Jesus, not because he was good enough, but because Jesus was. And that transformed his life. But I will say this, there, there is more to it than just the theology of grace, there is, there is help and there is power. A few years ago, Michelle and I were up in the Bay Area. I was speaking at a church up there on the weekend, and we went up a couple, a couple days early just so we could kind of see some of the sights. And what that means is I got up really early to see the sunrise at Golden Gate Bridge, and I was there at sunset to see the sunset at Golden Gate Bridge. And one of the things she wanted to do, like, like she let me do whatever I wanted to do, uh, the sunrise thing, she says, I'm going to stay in the hotel, you go have fun. But she let me do whatever I wanted to do. And then she says, there's only one thing I really want to do. I'm like, what's that? She goes, I want to ride bikes across the Golden Gate Bridge. And I'm like, nothing sounds more boring to me than just riding bikes across the bridge when you're used to riding up in the hills and in the mountains. And so I'm like, <laughs> and I was such a dork. I really was. Uh, I drugged my feet on it. And finally, I'm just like, okay, wait a minute. You, you only asked for one thing. I think we can do that. So we went and rented bikes and we made our way across Golden Gate Bridge. Now, what I didn't tell you was we rented e-bikes, electric power-assisted e-bikes. So we are cruising across the Golden Gate Bridge without much effort. In fact, we're passing these grizzly, like, road bikers all geared up. And I don't, they probably did a 1,000 miles before they got to the bridge, but we're passing them. And we have a little bell on our bike. Ring, ring. Ring, ring. And I'm going to just tell you right now, Michelle loved that little bell. Ring, ring. Ring, ring. And we're just like, Right over, right back. I think, I wish they would have timed it. I think we might have set a world record over and back because I'm a little competitive and we were having fun and it's just like zip, zip, but we had all that extra power. And then I'm thinking, okay, now the e-bike in the mountain bike industry is actually becoming a big deal. Now, I don't have one because I don't cheat. But there's times when I go up the hill and like maybe it's been a couple weeks when you get older, it's harder and harder and harder to do this. And there's days I've gotten up there and I thought, an e-bike is not a bad idea. <laughs> I don't think it's cheating after a certain point, you know. I just don't like to see people in their 20s on e-bikes. That's cheating. So I'm old enough now, I'm thinking, okay, I think this might be a, a way to go after a while. But I was thinking, okay, what, just dreaming. Like what if you had this, this mountain bike? You didn't even know it was an e-bike. And so you, you huff it up the hill, you're going, and there's sections you have to get off and just like hike a bike to get over certain sections. It's so steep. And you do this week after week and month after month. And then one day your friend comes over and you're just kind of cleaning off your bike. And he goes, hey, what's that button for? He goes, I don't, I don't, I've never even seen that button. 
And you turn around, get on, just go right up the hill. And you had so much fun, you're like, hey, let's do it again. I'd never do that hill twice in one day. But on an e-bike, yes. Why? Because I got the power. <laughs> now you're going to have that song in your head tonight. You're welcome. Well, here's what I want to do. I want us to look at a couple of quotes that have really been helpful to me as I got ready for this series. This is by Francis Chan. He said, Christ said it is better for us that the Spirit came, and I want to live like I know that it is true. I don't want to keep crawling when I have the ability to fly. We have the Holy Spirit as followers of Christ living in us, and we're going to spend seven weeks talking about that. Max Lucado has a book. He just came out called Help Is Here. He says, mark it down. The Holy Spirit comes with power, power to make good choices, keep promises, and silence the inner voices of fear and failure, power to get out of bed, get on with life, get busy about the right things in the right way, power to face the unexpected, unwanted passages of time, power. This is what Jesus promised then, and this is what Jesus promises still. I mean, this is, this is amazing stuff when you really dive into the Word of God and see how much there is there about this Holy Spirit. But a lot of people, even though they maybe have been in church, they, they don't know that much about the Holy Spirit. It's not like a, like a new concept. You know, and they're not sure kind of what, what that means. Maybe, maybe they know, like, I know I have the Holy Spirit, but that's just because I read in the Bible that I have him. Like Acts chapter 2, the church is launched. Peter preaches this amazing message, and the people respond like, okay, we believe Jesus is who you said. He is the Son of God. He died for us. He rose from the dead. We believe that. What do we do? And this is his answer in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter replies, repent, which means to turn. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And some of you are like, I know. I know that's true. I, I heard a story years ago, and I've shared it at Community before, so just bear with me if you've been here a long time and you've heard this one. There's a pastor named Jay, and Jay was getting ready to baptize somebody. And, and in a room similar to ours, they had a baptistry like we have over here, but they had curtains. And so they would get down in the water, get ready, and then they would open the curtains when it was time. And so the curtains are about to be opened, and the guy who is getting baptized says, oh, wait, you said that I'm going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, what does it feel like? What does it feel like? I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's different for other people because the important thing is, do you believe that God said this and you believe you'll have his spirit in you? The guy says, yes. He goes, open the curtains. Baptize me. He goes down about halfway. He's like, Poof. And the pastor's thinking, man, I did not get that. <laughs> but that's because he baptized his head into the stairwell. Poof. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know what it feels like to get the Holy Spirit. Like for everybody, it may be different. I do know what it feels like to hit your head on something, and that's what happened to that guy. But I want you to think of it this way. When we talk about God, we say the Father, the Son, and the Holy who? I mean, for a lot of people, like you ask them, would, would you explain the Father? Well, I can try, and we just dive in. Could you explain Jesus? Well, I can try, and we dive in. Would you explain the Holy Spirit? Um, if you grew up in a church that didn't talk much about the Holy Spirit, that's where you're at. You know he's there. You've read about him. 
We sing songs about him, but do we really know him? If you grew up in the King James Version days, okay, so that doesn't mean you were born in 1411 when the King James Version was written. That just means you grew up in a church that used the King James Version. Let me see your hands. King James, thee and thou and thus and all that. Then you didn't grow up learning about the Holy Spirit. You learned about the Holy Ghost. Talk about scary. Now, I use Casper because he was the friendly ghost, but the Holy Ghost, really? Like, there's this whole element there that's like, that's, that's terrifying. That's frightening. Well, the Holy Spirit, that, that's mystical and it's still like otherworldly. We don't really fully understand that either. And so maybe, maybe you came from a church where they handled snakes and rolled in the aisles and barked like dogs, okay? I'm just gonna say that's one extreme. Or maybe you grew up in a church where somebody mentioned the Holy Spirit. Hey, hey, shh, we don't talk about him here. Somewhere in the middle, if you grew up in church, that's where you're at. Or if you didn't grow up in church at all, then you don't know, Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, whatever you want to say, I, I don't know who this is. Well, what I want to do is I'm going to go to a couple of quotes from these two books that have been hugely helpful to me besides the Bible. So one is by Francis Chan, and his book is called The Forgotten God, talking about the Holy Spirit, and the other is Max Lucado, and his book Help Us Here. So here's one from Francis Chan. He says, the church becomes irrelevant when it becomes purely a human creation. We are not all we were made to be when everything in our lives and churches can be explained apart from the work and presence of the Holy Spirit of God. And then Max Lucado says, I now call him our heaven-sent helper. He is the ally of the saint. He is our champion, our advocate, our guide. He comforts and directs us. He indwells, transforms, sustains, and will someday deliver us into our heavenly home. You know, these, these, these two authors in both of their approaches, they, even though they approach it differently, they have so much to say there, and both of them go to the scriptures over and over. Why? Because there's a ton of passages in the scriptures about the Holy Spirit. And so by just way of introduction today, I want to just walk through several different verses. We're not going to spend a lot of time on each of them, but in the next few weeks, we're going to really boil down on some of these and then kind of camp out at some of these and talk about these. But let me just kind of walk through some of these with you. Here, here's some of your response when we just brought the subject up. The answer, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. This is in the book of Acts. Like they're, they're talking about their baptism and did you receive the Holy Spirit or like the Holy who? That's their answer. So for some people, there's always this beginning point where we begin to get some information about the Holy Spirit. And so it goes from holy who to the Holy Spirit, but, but there's so much here and so much that, that we need to learn. John chapter 14, Jesus is talking here and he says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Now, in John chapter 14, 15, and 16, he talks a lot about the Holy Spirit. We're going to come back to this next week because it's, especially chapter 14, is just packed with some great understanding about who, who the Holy Spirit is. And Jesus promises that we are better off if he leaves and the Holy Spirit comes. And so we're going to talk about that more next week. This series, though, the Holy Fixer Upper, comes from our theme for this 
this kind of school year, if you will. We begin a theme, kind of like a school year. We begin a theme back in Labor Day. And we talked about our theme this year is going to be fixer-upper, and we're the fixer-uppers. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Yeah. Don't just point at me and say amen. You too. Like, we're all the fixer-uppers. Like, we got some work still yet to be done in order to become more like Christ. And so about halfway through this year, I thought, this is, this is the point in time where we need to spend some time talking about the one who fixes us from the inside out. The true transformation that comes, that God does in our life through his spirit. And so we're spending some time on that. But let's get back to some of these verses. This is Romans 8, 26. He says, in the same way, the spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Now, I don't even understand that, but I get this right here. Have you ever had a moment in your life where you just didn't know how to pray? I have, either because of things going on in my own life, and I'm just at a loss, or maybe I'm, I'm walking with a friend through something, like, man, I don't even know how to pray about this. But he says his spirit literally prays on our behalf, and he says it correctly to the Father, like the way we really need it. Like, he knows what we need, and he loves us, and he cares about us. He intercedes on our behalf. He prays on our behalf. How beautiful is that? Well, here's another one. This is Ephesians chapter 1. It says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked. I love this. Listen. You were marked in him with a seal. Saying the Holy Spirit is a seal. The promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Now, Two things, a seal, and he's a guarantee. And we're going to come back to that later in the series too. Until the redemption of those who are God's possession through the praise of his glory. Wow. You can see, like, there's so much here. And he just keeps coming, keeps coming in his word with many different understandings here. 1 Corinthians 12, he says this about the Spirit. But there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. This is verse 4 in 1 Corinthians 12. He skipped through some stuff, and he's unpacking it, and he says it again in verse 11. He says, all these, all these different gifts and abilities are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. See, in this particular passage, and it's, it's pretty long, he literally unpacks this idea. The, the church, we, the church, the local body of Christ, we, we are the body of Christ. And so some are the hands, and some are the feet, and some are the eyes, and some are the mouths, and some are the ears. We all have different functions, but we all need each other in order to be the complete, full body of Christ in this community in which God has placed us. I read years ago that the eyes have basically five functions for our body. And yet the eyes are right there in front. The eyes get a lot of compliments. Oh, what beautiful eyes you have. Did you notice during COVID that ladies' lashes got longer during COVID? Did you notice that? I mean, all you could see because of the mask was their eyes. And all of a sudden, everybody got these lashes. And some of them are like this long. It's like a fan in front. So anyway, our eyes get a lot of attention, right? Did you know that your liver... Your liver literally does about 5,000 things for your body. But when was the last time somebody said, hey, what an amazing liver you have? He's saying here in, in 1 Corinthians 12, there are parts of the body that nobody notices, but that doesn't mean they're not important. And there's some that get a lot of attention. That doesn't mean they're more important than some other parts. He says, but it's the Spirit of God who puts it all together the way he knows that it's best for the community he places us in. 
That's the Spirit's work in us. Here's another one. In John chapter 7, he says, on the last and greatest day of the festival. Well, if you were with us back last um, June, June and July, we, we covered the first half of the book of, of John, the Gospel of John. And this summer, we're going to hit the second half and do that. But in chapter 7, we, we talked about this last summer. And, the, and this festival he's talking about, it's the festival of, of tabernacles or booths. And so they would commemorate being in the wilderness for 40 years as the nation of Israel. And they would literally build you know, booths outside of their homes or on the roof of their homes. And they would live there for that week. They would live outside in tents for a week. And at the end of this, and there was like ceremony and celebration. And, and there was things that the, the priests would do to remind people of, of who God is. And so one of the things they would do is they would walk into the temple. They would light the, the candles the torches, and they would talk about someday the Messiah would come and he would be the light of the world. Another thing the priest would do, he would go to the pool of Siloam and he would get some water and he would carry it back to the temple and people would follow him and he would go and there was a silver basin by the altar and he would pour it in. He would talk about God's provision and God's rain and God's blessing and preparing them for a time of harvest. We need that rain. But he would also talk about like the prophet Joel said, that there would be a day when God would pour out his spirit on his people, his men, his women, his boys and girls. Like he's gonna pour out his spirit. So this is what's happening. And then Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So Jesus comes, he lives this perfect life. He dies for us on the cross. He walks out of the grave. He tells his disciples when he goes back up to heaven, the Holy Spirit's going to come. So just go to Jerusalem and wait. And then the Holy Spirit comes. And then he actually, in Acts chapter two, they quote Joel. Then this is what he was talking about. He's pouring out his spirit. And Jesus is saying, this is, this is me. You're like, follow me. Those, those rivers of living water, the Holy Spirit in your life is on his way. He's coming. That's what it's about. Francis Chan, this is the quote I gave you earlier. I'm just going to give it to you again. Christ said, it is better for us that the Spirit came, and I want to live like I know that is true. I don't want to keep crawling when I have the ability to fly. This is a, this is a quote that really, really kind of targets in and focuses in on, on the power that the Holy Spirit supplies us as followers of Christ. And so in Romans chapter 8, he says this, and if the spirit of him, that's God, Jesus, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Let this one soak in. Maybe, maybe you've heard this verse, but it's never really like resonated with you. The same spirit the power of the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. His power in you as a follower of Jesus. What does that look like? What does that mean? Well, we're going to talk about that in the weeks to come. But I don't want you to miss this. God's spirit, his powerful spirit is given to us, placed in us 
as a follower of Christ so that we can follow him. Here's the truth. Some of you admit, man, in this situation, I don't even know if I can forgive this person. But you have the power of God in your life to help you do that, which you couldn't do on your own. You, you come across an obstacle or a relationship or some situation, you're like, I don't know if I have this in me. Maybe on your own you don't, but you are not alone. You have the power and the presence of God through his spirit living in your life. In fact, there are several different places in the Old Testament, like, like the book of Joel, where he says, the spirit is coming. He's on his way. It's, it's going to happen. Another one of those places in Isaiah And he says, for I will pour out water to quench your thirst and to irrigate your parched fields, and I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessings on your children. They will thrive like the watered grass, like willows on a riverbank. In the same imagery, like pouring out. He said, this is what I do for you. Now, while we're going to talk about this for several weeks, I just want to give you one kind of point of clarification. I do believe that the Holy Spirit, by his power, is able to seize circumstances and moments and opportunities to do what? To draw people to Jesus. There's there's all different kinds of ways he helps us as a follower of Christ, but the Holy Spirit also works in people when they're on their way to Jesus and directs them and gets their attention. He uses circumstances and moments and opportunities, even unexpected, unlikely circumstances and moments and opportunities, like he did almost two weeks ago at a football game. Mar Hamlin, second-year safety for the Buffalo Bills, was playing on Monday night against Cincinnati, Cincinnati Bengals. The game had really just started. He tackled a Cincinnati player, bounced up, and then immediately just fell to the ground. We didn't know at the time what was going on, but he had full cardiac arrest. His heart stopped. They revived him twice with CPR before they got him in the ambulance. It was was visible to everyone watching that something was desperately wrong. Players were crying, but they were also praying. And we saw something in that game and in that moment that didn't just affect the people who were in Buffalo and in the stands. Like There there was a a moment where they said, in five minutes, we're going to start the game back up. And there was this like... Are you serious? Like, we don't know what's going on with our friend. How can we start a game back up, right? And then it just came to pass that they were like, no, we're just going to suspend it. Later on, they just got rid of that game. But they were just like, what do we do? If you noticed, if you were watching that, you noticed that nobody left in the stands. Thousands of people stayed. What were they doing? (laughs) Praying. And God has used an unlikely circumstance and moment and opportunity to do something, I think, in our nation and maybe in other places in the world to get our attention back on what's truly important. And we're seeing God show up in the most unlikely places because of it, like on ESPN. Um, Football gave me everything, you know, and I think even through the midst of absolute tragedy last night, I think you saw some of the beauty of football Mm -hmm. as well, that it's brought us all here together. 
You know, like, this is a little bit different. I heard, I've heard it all day, like thoughts and prayers. And you just heard Scherf and Jonathan Allen say, like, all we can do is pray for him. And I've heard the Buffalo Bills organization say, like, we believe in prayer. And maybe this is not the right thing to do, but I want to, it's just on my heart that I want to pray for It him. is. Damar Hamlin, right, right, right now. Um, I'm going to do it out loud. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to bow my head, and I'm just going to pray for him. Um, God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand, that are hard, uh, because we believe that you're God, and coming to you and praying to you um, has impact. We're, we're sad. We're angry. Um, and we want answers, but some things are unanswerable. We just want to pray. Truly come to you and pray for strength for Damar, for healing for Damar, for comfort for Damar, to be with his family, to give them peace. If we didn't believe that prayer didn't work, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. Um, I believe in prayer. We believe in prayer. We lift up Damar Hamlin's name in your name. Amen. 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 It's beautiful. Respectfully. We will continue to cover this story. We'll continue to bring you all the updates that we have. And as usual, we'll see you tomorrow on NFL Live. I'll just reiterate how secondary football is in all of this. We are thinking and praying, as you've seen here, for DeMar Hamlin and his family and truly hoping for some better news. Mm. Yeah. I saw that, maybe, maybe you've seen that. It swept through social media and, and it struck me that for the last couple of decades, people in our country have tried to do everything they can to get prayer out of public places. Even removing it from football games, literally like you are not allowed to pray at a football game. And then we saw teams and fans and maybe millions of people across the world praying for a guy that they maybe had never met. And you say, well, so-and-so had a heart attack. Now, well, this just, just happened to be in front of a million-plus people. And so I think God, by his spirit, sees the moment. And maybe, maybe he's getting some attention and drawing attention to himself in the midst of this kind of a thing. I know, I know that's what God can do. And that's how he can use even unexpected moments when they happen. There's one more verse I want you to see. This is Jesus talking. And he's, he's talking to us about giving good gifts. Now listen. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for egg, well, that, never mind. You can't, you can't get eggs anymore. Um, we're going to have to change this translation to fit our appropriate culture today. No, I'm, anyway, if he asks for an egg, which is impossible, we'll give him a scorpion. Like, no, he says, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the what? The Holy Spirit to those of you who ask him. Yeah, it's one thing to say, like in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, repent and be baptized, you receive the forgiveness of sins, and you receive, you receive the Holy Spirit. But I'm convinced as I read the Bible, I need to continually ask God for that filling. 
Continually ask God, God, continually, like, again today, fill me. Like, I can't do this on my own. Fill me again, fill me again, fill me again. And what does God most want to give us? His spirit. It's a prayer. I'm going to just tell you right now. It's a prayer God will answer and say yes. Sometimes he answers your prayer, but the answer is no. Have you ever had a prayer like that? God, I think this Ferrari would be a great witnessing tool. And God says, no. No. That is an answer. No is a complete sentence and an answer. But if you want a yes answer to a prayer, you pray for the filling of his spirit in your life. And we're just going to do that. I don't know any other way to do it. Would you put your hands out? Close your eyes with me. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, we just come to you, God. And we want you to fill our life with your spirit. We want you to show up in our life in unexpected ways, in powerful ways, ways that will help us bridge the gap between you and those who are far from you. God, we want to be a part of your mission, your ministry. We can't do that on our own power. We don't want to be a church that just operates on our own power. We want you to fill us. Fulfill us now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen. We finished Thursday night service and walked away. And we're like, we should have given people the opportunity right then to be baptized if they wanted to be baptized. And we did it. Thursday. Every now and then we do what we call spontaneous baptisms. And typically we, we know what's coming up and we, we plan it into our service and all that. This is truly spontaneous. If you've never given your life to Christ, if you've never repented and been baptized, if you've never said, Jesus, I want you to be Lord and King of my life and I need your spirit in me and in my life, I can't do this on my own. If you've never done that and you want to do that, we're going to give you the opportunity right now. Maybe this just comes way too sudden. You didn't see this coming. You, you didn't know. But man, if, if God's been working on your heart and he's been, he's been calling you and you're like, I need to respond. I, I want to become a Christian. I want, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I want his spirit to fill me and to change me and, and to move in me. And I know I've got a lot more to learn now. I'm still learning after decades of following him. We're, we always have more to learn. But if you know this much, that God loves you so much that he sent his son to give his life for you on a cross. He paid the price for your sin. And he, he desperately wants a relationship with you. If, if you just don't know anything else, you know that, then you know enough to say, okay, Jesus, I wanna give you my life. And in the Bible, the way that they responded to that was not raising their hand in an assembly, it was getting baptized. Because in the Bible, literally, they would just say, okay, here's what you're gonna do. You, you believe in Jesus? Okay, let's go get baptized. And in our baptism, we're picturing the, the bearing of our old life and the raising to walk in a new life. Jesus died for us. We're picturing what he did for us. We're not saved because we get wet. We're saved because of what he did. But we're picturing that he died for us and then he rose from it. And now we're rising. Not to walk alone and do the same thing, just work harder. But now to live life infused and filled with his spirit. Never alone again. 
So I don't know if there's anybody in this service who's ready to do this. If you're online and you want to do this, email us. We'll, we'll hook you up and we'll get this done right away. But if you're in this room right now and you're ready to be baptized, you've never done that, just let me see your hand. Anybody in this service right now? You want to? You, you want to talk to your daddy about it though? Let's, let's, talk, let's talk first, all right? Okay, right there? All right. Can you just make your way up in front? Go out that way. Yeah, make your way over there. They'll take care of you. We have t-shirts, we have shorts, we have towels. You're saying, all my clothes are going to be wet. No, but even if that was the case, it's raining outside anyway. What do you care about having dry clothes? Okay, if anybody else wants to go, now's the time. But we're going to lead into a time of communion as a family. And what I want to do is I want to encourage you for the next few moments just to use this as a time. For those of you who are followers of Christ, I want you to use this as a time to reflect not just on what Jesus did for you in the past, but what by his spirit he continually does in you and through you. So if you're a believer in Christ and you want to participate, you can make your way to the front or the back. We have the trays up here. There's two cups. If you're at home, you can do this at home too. But get those two cups, take it back to your seat. And in just a moment, we're going to take together as a family, remembering what Christ did on the cross for us with his body, with his blood. was uh, so spontaneous for us. We didn't know which, which thing we were doing. But I want you to take hold of that bread for a moment. I want you to feel it. Take it out of the cup. Feel it in your hand. You know, when Jesus uh, had what we call the Last Supper with his disciples, they were, they were literally remembering the, the Passover. And that the, the the death angel passed over the Israelite houses that had the blood applied to their homes. And now Jesus is saying, this is my body. The penalty of death is gonna pass over you because of what I'm about to do for you. And so with that bread, take that right now and remember what he did for you. In that cup, Jesus took the cup off the table and he said, this is now the blood of a new covenant. This is my blood. And when you read through the Bible, Jesus has all kinds of names. The bright and morning star, the son of God, the son of man. But one of his names is the Lamb of God. Because he shed his own blood, perfect, sinless blood, to pay the price for our sin. Remember that right now as you take that.
God, thank you for the blessing of your sacrifice and the new life that you offer us. We're just reminded right now of how much you love us, how much you desire this relationship. Not a religion, not ritual, not mindless, heartless motions we go through, but a relationship where we can connect with you day after day after day. And God, like we prayed earlier, we're just gonna pray it again. God, come and fill our life with your spirit. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Are they ready or do you want to sing? Okay, let's sing. So spontaneous. Would you please stand with us? Singing holy, holy to my one and only who is like our God. Let our hearts adore you as we bow before you. There's no one like our God. Singing holy, holy to my one and only who is like our Been call, he's been calling me, and here I am. Amen. Amen. All right.
great Sarah and uh, everyone else who's a believer repeat after me I believe I believe that Jesus is the Christ that Jesus is the Christ and I accept him as my Lord and Savior and I accept him as my Lord and Savior all right because of that confession of faith we're gonna baptize you in the name of the Father Son and the Holy Spirit That's so amazing. We, uh, we want to thank you guys so much for joining us this weekend here at Community. Um, hey, if you uh, did not take the step of faith to, to say I'm in and be ready to be baptized and you want to have that conversation with us afterwards, uh, you can talk with us afterwards. Uh, but everybody else, uh, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week.